In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You're invited to be seated. From verse number 5 of the 37th chapter in Psalm, a good rucksack verse for you rucksack verse carriers. Commit your way to the Lord, put your trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. What might he bring to pass? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, as Jesus summed it up in this sermon on the plain, as it's spoken in the Gospel of Luke. For the measure you give is the measure you will receive. I love the big reveal. I remember the first television show I ever saw that caught my attention anyway, using the great reveal. You might remember the extreme home makeover on ABC with Ty Pennington Sunday nights after America's video show. Do you remember it? They would make over a house that was in terrible condition and in one week, they would completely gut it and redo it. And then at the end of the show, before, of course, seven commercials leading up to it, there was Ty Pennington with the crowd that had gathered in the neighborhood. And they would say, hey, Ty, move that bus. Do you remember that line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was sort of that great reveal that these other television shows have taken and just gone with completely. Because there is something about the great reveal. It's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. That's what happens in our Old Testament reading today. It is a great reveal. It is the climax of the story of the great biblical patriarch, Joseph. He's the son of Jacob. You know, as in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those who begin that line of Israel. And Joseph is the youngest child of Jacob at that point. You know him. He's the one with the multicolored jacket that was given to him. If you follow Broadway, it's, of course, Joseph and the Technicolor coat. He was the favorite of his father. He used to brag to his brothers about the dreams he had. You all are going to bow down to me. That enraged them. The only way they could figure out how to get rid of this Joseph is just do him off. They conspired to kill him. By a twist of fate, one of the brothers throws him into a pit and says, let's sell him into slavery. His life is saved. He's sold into slavery. But there, once again, another twist. Potiphar's wife lies about him. He's thrown into prison. In prison, he is left to rot away because the friends that he makes forget all about him. He's forgotten, even by his friends. But then finally, in the last twist of his life, one person remembers. He can interpret dreams. He's brought before Pharaoh. 
He interprets Pharaoh's dream. He's placed in a place of power, only second to Pharaoh over all of Egypt. And he leads Egypt and that surrounding world through the most terrible of famines. And that's where his brothers come looking for some food. Joseph recognizes them, pulls them out of the food line. And he says, come stand before me. And of course they bow down before him. And then that great reveal, I am Joseph, your brother. Pull back that bus, Ty Pennington. Can you imagine what they were feeling as they looked and they saw the brother that they had treated so cruelly? His life had been dragged to its very bottom. There he is standing in all of the power before them. Have you ever been wronged? I mean, have you ever really been messed over in your life by another person? This story invites anyone who has ever been abused, taken advantage of, whose life has been changed, Maybe even we feel they've wrecked it. And the story tells our story. It tells everyone's story who has been wronged or wrecked. Like that house that needs a makeover. That's what these stories do. They invite us to find ourselves in the story. It has us asking... What would I be thinking in Joseph's shoes? What would this do to my emotional state? What kind of anger or resentment would be simmering in me as I looked at my brothers? Would I just be thinking it was thoughts of sweet revenge as the only thing that kept me warm in that prison? And now it's time for them to get their just desserts. The power of these stories is it gives us a little bit of distance. It lets us reframe how we think about being wronged. It helps us in our own way to feel like Joseph. Maybe we have been the victims of violence. Maybe there's been lies that has damaged our integrity. Maybe we've been forgotten. Maybe we've been overlooked. Maybe we've been lied to. Maybe we've deserved promotion, but we've been confronted by wrong accusations. How do we face the obstacles or the downright injustice of life and not let it destroy our soul. We see the beginning of sort of the big reveal for Joseph and his brothers. They desperately are seeking food. They're put before their brother. And some of the most amazing and insightful words of Scripture are told in the midst of this story that will point us towards Jesus and the way that he understands the soul and being able to navigate the world 
in which we don't always have control. Joseph, first of all, maintained his understanding of his connection with those who wronged him. He said, I am your brother Joseph. He did not cut them off. He did not disown them. He did not set them up as his enemy. He did not do to them what they did to him. In Jesus' words that we heard on the Sermon on the Plain, he'll turn it around and he will treat them as he wished he would have been treated. He remained in relationship with them. Even through all of the hurt, he remembered his connection with them. When we set someone else up as enemy, we depersonalize them. We make them less than human so they can become our enemy. The truth is, is we're all children of God, even those who do us wrong. And Jesus points us to that as well, for our Father even loves those who are wicked. Joseph, however, does something amazing. He removes the power from their personal attacks, and he sees, he sees the truth of the situation. I'm your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. He does not ignore the wrong. He names the hurt. He names the wrong that had been done to him. The wrong cannot be ignored. If we sweep something under the carpet like it never happened, it can never be addressed. You sold me into Egypt. You did something wrong to me, something that altered my life and hurt me deeply. I cannot ignore that as a truth that moves forward in our relationship. Hurts are that way. They're like a deep cut that leaves a scar. If we keep picking at it, it will always remain bleeding and only a scab. It will always cause us pain and open us to infection. But if we acknowledge that deep hurt and we attend to it, it scars. It leaves a visible sign. We know what happens, but it doesn't open us to any kind of infection. It allows us to move to a different place where we know it happened, but it doesn't still infect us. Then Joseph does something amazing. He removes the power of their personal attacks by moving his view out of his human reaction to the godly perspective that can inform and direct his soul to a healthy place. 
He says, it was not really you who sent me here. It was God. And God has made me a father to the Pharaoh. He was able to see that God is able to work, even work good in the most difficult of circumstances. God is a part of all that happens. At times I wish God would just come and stop all of the evil of this world. But instead, God is with us in all of the evil of the world. It lets our soul remain strong and not to be infected by the evil of others. It allows us to always remain seeing the world as God sees it. As God declares, this is good, this creation I've made. I've given freedom, and sometimes people break that freedom and hurt others. Our freedom is to respond with the goodness of God, with the love that is deeper than the hate, and allows us to not be infected by the hurt that is inflicted upon us, allows us to have the health to see God at work in all things. Joseph was free to see God working in him, to bring good out of the worst of human wreckage. I think that was Jesus' big reveal. As we love our enemy, as we turn our cheek, as we forgive, what we are doing is the words that are summed up and we know so well, we call it a golden rule. It's the rule that Jesus turned just a little bit from his Jewish tradition. As he said, do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's a perspective. It's seeing them not as enemy, seeing them as the creation of God, seeing that God will work even in all of these circumstances to bring God's good. We offer ourselves to be an instrument of that good, and when we do, we receive it like a good measure that runs over, a measure that we get back. What a powerful story today. A powerful story of humanity and the response of this person in a way that is healing, is constructive, is wholesome. And it allows healing to be experienced by others. The writer of Genesis tells us that the world was saved because of Joseph's faithfulness, of his soul not being infected with that evil, and now he's working for the good. In our life, it's what Jesus invites us into. In the brokenness of the hurt of the world, let God's healing presence come. Be the salve of grace and mercy. Let the peace that passes our understanding heal those deep wounds so we don't have to keep picking at them and infecting our soul. Oh, we know they happened. 
But God's grace is greater. And God's healing touches our heart, our soul, and those around us. And lets us live that golden way. Loving others as we would have them love us. Amen.